This is Felix drags Dale through the Marvel Universe, where Felix... That's me. ...drags me Dale through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Today we are talking about Iron Man 2, a movie where Tony Starks becomes a bigger a-hole, quits his job, and battles the son of his father's arch-enemy. It's not his father's arch-enemy. Yeah, it is. He's like his partner that he like exiled or whatever. Um, That makes him his arch-enemy. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> Iron Man 2 came out <laughs> in 2010, the third film of six in phase one. Of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, this is my first time seeing this movie. Okay. Felix, have you seen Iron Man 2 before? Yes, twice. Okay. That's <laughs> true. I went to Convergence, the local yes. sci-fi and fantasy and random fan convention here. Mm-hmm. And I went to every single comedy panel that I could because I wanted to make this podcast great because clearly the subject matter wasn't going to make it great and i also heard from a little bird that you did not go to any marvel panels i didn't want spoilers Mm. i did not go to any marvel panels but i did get stared down by like three thanoses thanoses thanos (laughs) thanos yeah so i learned i learned some stuff which is you can't force a joke Mm mm-hmm um, if the audience doesn't laugh, it's not funny. If I, I laugh, the joke is funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, ho- I hope that works. <laughs> yes. You must be the famous Pepper Potts. I am Loki. I am I am Iron Man. Agent Coulson. <gasps> so let's start out with all the people who are in this movie. And I wanted to start out with cameos because there were a ton of them in mm-hmm. this movie, including a bunch of people playing themselves like Christine Emanpour. And Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. And DJ AM. I don't know who that is. I don't know, but it was in, in the thing. That was the DJ. Don't worry about it. Um, and Elon Musk. Yep. And uh, um, there was Larry Ellison, um, CEO of Oracle. What's Oracle? Oracle is a computer programming language, and it is what my father programs in. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I knew anything more about it. There's a lot of like Oracle-based um, things out there for businesses that involve like inventory tracking and things like that. Ooh, that's so, super boring. It might be. Yeah, and I also put in um, Olivia Munn was in there for a little bit. And then, um, of course, your favorite. Yeah, the Stan Lee cameo. Much in the same spirit as the Stanley cameo from the first Iron Man movie where he was, in this case, playing Larry King, or mm-hmm. doing a bad impression of Larry <laughs> King. <laughs> Although they look shockingly similar. Much more than Hugh Hefner, I think. Um, I have no, no opinion about this because I don't care enough. Fair. But you recognized him as being Stanley and not Larry King. No, I didn't. <laughs> I was like bad Larry King impersonator, and I saw it later. <laughs> okay. Okay. Should we talk about who is actually in this movie for extended periods of time? Sure. Okay. We got Tony Iron Man Stark, mm-hmm. Iron Man, mm-hmm. and then we, of course, we have Iron Man Two. Yep. Which would be I would call him Colonel Bestie. War Machine. Oh, yeah, I kept calling him Warhammer in my mind, and that makes a little bit more sense. I mean, that's it. <laughs> well, the other guy's name was 
was um hammer hammer yeah but not army hammer because that's a different guy nope it was unfortunately um, justin hammer do love army hammer i know you're in love with army hammer but he's married yes and then um the enemy or well okay I'm going to call him the enemy, which I would call like a different version of an Iron Man, mm-hmm. um, who is Ivan Vinko, mm-hmm. or um, comic book name Whiplash. Sure. Okay. I just consistently referred to him as Mickey Rourke. Like, oh. it's just in my mind, he's not playing a character. He's just playing Mickey Rourke, <laughs> yep. but the, the sort of Russian version of Mickey Rourke. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, also in this movie is Pepper Potts mm-hmm. um, and Happy, yeah. the limo driver slash bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm also confused by by that by limo driver slash bodyguard. Yeah, like uh-huh. that's two different jobs, two vastly different jobs. It is two vastly different jobs. I just assume, yeah, vastly different jobs. But then, of course, director and yeah, and actor are also very different jobs. Very true. I um also oh also in this is reprising her role from the previous <laughs> Iron Man movie. Yes, bad journalist. Bad journalist. Bad journalist. She's a much better journalist this time yes but they definitely very clearly refer to the incident in which she was such a bad journalist last Mm -hmm. time because they they bring up that she is doing some interviews she wants to get a quote from pepper Potts because she becomes the new ceo of stark industries in this movie and then she's also doing some interview with um justin hammer to Mm -hmm. do a big spread in Vanity Fair about him. And then there is a joke about how she did a spread about uh, Tony Stark last year and wrote a good article about him. (laughs) (laughs) What was weird is that Hammer was like trying to play it up to Tony like they were like on a date together and she was also doing this interview with him, which like based on her track record, I would believe. But then... She, like, actually starts trying to, like, record them and ask them real questions and, like, trying to get an interview from Pepper. So I'm like, are you a good journalist or a bad journalist? Like, maybe she does just use her feminine wiles to get good stories, and that's just, like, her thing. I also have no <laughs> response to that. Because <laughs> usually that doesn't, Problem. like, really help you out or get you, like, honest answers. You know. She's got to get in the room mm-hmm. with Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Okay. Um, also in this movie is um, from S.H.I.E.L.D. is Nick Fur- Fury. <laughs> Nick Fury. <laughs> that would be something different, wouldn't it? <laughs> yep. Um, and good old agent Cutie Face Colburn. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, yeah. Um, agent Romanoff who is undercover as Natalie Rushman, who is played by Scarlett Johansson. Yes. So she is undercover working at Stark Industries as a woman named Natalie Rushman. And do you know her superhero name? Black Widow. Yep. 
Um, I always want to call her Scarlet Witch. Why? Um, you'll find out in Civil War, but because her name's Scarlet Johansson. Uh-huh. All these people with actual names. <laughs> no, but so there's a character named Scarlet Witch. <laughs> uh-huh. In the movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I'm like, I confuse the two. Um, and then also Senator Stern. Yeah, I don't like him. He looks like a fish. He does look like a fish. Not a cute fish. Like, he doesn't look like Nemo. <laughs> like, like, he's one of those fish from, like, the deep depths of the sea. Like a blobfish? Yeah. Of, like, actual senators sometimes? Yep. And he's not a nice person either. That means played by Gary Shandling. Who's that? That's the actor. I mean, I figured, but, like... Not important. Okay. I wrote it down. Um. Okay. Anybody else? Because otherwise, I'm gonna get to my favorite character. Because we got we mentioned Colonel Bestie, right? Yes. Okay. They call the the self requested cockatoo. Yeah. Is that your favorite character? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. It's a bird. It is a bird. <laughs> not the bird. Well, at first it was the bird, and then later it was not the bird. Yeah, it was just another one. But yeah, that was pretty good. Did you do any research on this bird? No, oh. I didn't. I didn't. Letting us down. Sorry, listeners. We don't have a section on aviary biology. Do you like birds? Okay. So what's interesting about parrots is most of them are awful. No. I'm going to go with <laughs> left side dominant. What? <laughs> like, you know how most people are right-handed? Like uh-huh. The majority of people are right-handed. Most parrots are left like footed? <laughs> I didn't I even know parrots had like do they do things with their appendages? Yes. Besides fly? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like what? So like open open seeds and stuff. Oh. Yeah. Um and the ratio that are the opposite is almost the exact exact same ratio of people who are left handed. The devil. Um, yeah. So Birds are the devil. Whatever. Yep. Anyway, that I just... is 100% accurate. <laughs> so anyways, you like the bird. Yes, I like the bird. We ready for our next segment? <laughs> yes. Now that we know who's in the movie. Then we can talk about who takes off their shirt in this movie. Yes. Which, upsettingly, not, not a good lot of shirtlessness. No. Like, uh... Wait, Scarlett Johansson takes her shirt off? Yeah. When? When she changes in the car. <gasps> oh, yeah. And Happy's like oogling, ogling, oogling, ogling. He's ogling her. Yeah. It is really kind of disturbing. Yeah. Because, like, they are in, like, a race to, like, get to a place. Uh-huh. And she's changing into her, like, breaking in clothes from her... <laughs> From her, like, fancy event clothes, and he's, like, he's racing through the streets, and he's, like, starting to crash into things, yeah. and she has to yell at him. hmm Like, pay attention, man. I don't like that, like, one of his major character traits is, like, creepy, like, kind of misogynist-y. Mm-hmm. It's not, not, not cute. No, it's not. Okay. Um, Mickey Rourke takes his shirt off. Yeah, in fact, he burns his shirt off. He does, which was kind of cool. Well, it wasn't a shirt. It was like a jumper. 
a jumpsuit? Yeah, like a like a, a, a romp him. Okay. Yeah. You you go with that. Yeah. I'm gonna go with it's like a pit crew suit. Yeah. Uh, tomato tomato. Uh huh. And he burns it off to reveal his electric um. What do I? What do you even call it? Like a harness. Yeah, it's like a like, whip harness thing. Yeah. Burns off. I feel like that's not how physics works. That it just burns off his shirt and yeah. leaves his pants. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it would burn off everything and also burn off your burn your skin. Yeah, like it would either just like only singe it enough to put small holes in it, like where it's touching the electricity, or if it like actually caught fire, it would just fully catch fire. Uh-huh. And you'd be real sad and have to stop, drop, and roll. Yes. That would be a much less exciting action scene. I think it'd be funny. It'd be like Look at me. I've got these big electric whips. Whip, whip, whip. <laughs> ah, fire. And then stop, drop, and roll. And then one of the pit crew have to come out with like the, the fire extinguisher with. Or Tony's little hand robot from his garage with the fire extinguisher. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so that would have been a quite different scene. Do we had, want to. Had, had things burned as they really do. Do we want to wait until we get to the plot or just talk about this racetrack scene right now? Because Oh, I suppose we should wait until we get to the plot. Yeah, the the other person we saw shirtless was Tony, Tony Stark because he has to lift up his shirt to change out his yes. palladium. He's also wearing like a tank top a lot of the time. That's true. And his arms look pretty nice. They did. Are we ready to talk about the plot? Sure. Okay, so we open with some some credits with all the Marvel stuff, and it's a voiceover, and it's the pre- uh, press conference from the end of Iron Man 1, where Tony Stark is revealing that he's Iron Man, and this is playing on a TV in Moscow, where mm-hmm. Ivan's dad is dying, and it's snowy in Moscow. Um, Do they watch, like, C-SPAN? In um, Moscow. It's very confusing to me because it is some like feed, but in the in the um, whatever the, the bottom portion of the screen is where it like tells you who's on, that's in Russian, but like none of the things are subtitles. It's just in English. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like it's like Russian TV for people who also speak English. So so it might as well just be in English. Yeah. I might as well just write it in English mm-hmm. rather than translate people's names and be like, this is at Stark Industries, so-and-so's having a press conference. Just put it in English if you're not going to translate what they're saying. Yeah, so it kind of doesn't make sense. Um, no, nope. and then it gets real dramatic because his dad dies, like, in his arms, and he, like, screams at the clouds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, like, fades to black. And then... Flushing, New York. <laughs> yep. Which is, without a doubt, the most awful name for a city that I've ever heard. <laughs> like, um, it was probably named before toilets were invented. Still, change it. Mm. Flushing. Yeah, well, okay. Who was from Flushing? Was it like 
Fran Drescher from Flushing and the Nanny or something? I don't know. It's really it's really a neighborhood in uh, in Queens, New York. So yeah. it's part of New York City. So probably if you're from Flushing, you don't say I'm from Flushing, New York. <laughs> you say I'm from Queens or I'm from New York City. <laughs> Still. Mm-hmm. Also, if it's like a real city slash neighborhood thing, I just don't buy that they have like just all this empty space to like build all these buildings and like random shit for the Stark Expo. Um, it is right next to the LaGuardia Airport. Uh-huh. Which is the shitty New York airport. Okay. Um, and they also have like this is where Flushing Downs is, like the horse racetrack. Flushing Downs. Yes. <laughs> Flushing Downs the toilet. Um why, um, who's LaGuardia named after? Is it named after a person? It was named after the mayor of New York. Oh, I don't know who the current mayor of New York is. Why are you quizzing me on this stuff? I know it. <laughs> is it that one guy or is he just a governor? Bill de Blasio. Yeah. If that's who you're thinking that's of, what I was he's, thinking the, of. he's the mayor. Yep. Okay, so Stark. Oh, you know what? No, okay. I was thinking of Chris Christie. He's the former governor of New Jersey. Yep. (laughs) Which I think is like the insanest thing to name your kid if your last name is Christy. Oh, I live for that. Robin Robinson is my favorite person. She's on like Care 11 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you have a first name, last name, and also that last name, it's the best. So yeah. Okay, so we're in Flushing for the Stark Expo. It's basically Disney World. We're, yeah, which doesn't really make that much sense. Not even Disney World. It's, um... The World's Fair it's the world's, is what it was. It looks like the World's Fair. But for like tech stuff. Yeah, it does. We don't know what they're exactly showing off other than the Iron Man suit because Tony jumps out of an airplane through yes. some fireworks and then lands on the stage. Gets hit by a firework at one point. Does he? I was just really annoyed. <laughs> yep. And then lands on a stage where there are some Iron Man cheerleaders. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And then I have, um, gives a super annoying speech. Oh my gosh. Um, he is so. Tonight, we're not here to talk about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us either, really. It's about America? Is that what he says? I don't remember. I, it I, wasn't about anything, but it was about something. It was about, I'm not saying that I ushered in an era of world peace. Yes. But I'm pretty much saying that. I'm an asshole. Uh-huh. It was very. Douchey. Are you annoyed with me yet? You should have been when <laughs> when I jumped out of an airplane and you saw these cheerleaders. My favorite <laughs> in, in part about that talks. was that I didn't see a screen or anything like broadcasting him jumping out of the airplane. So that was purely for his own amusement because no one could see it happening. Also, if there are fireworks going on in the sky, that's so high up. That, like, you wouldn't be able to see someone the size of a small man Uh falling from a plane. Mm -hmm. Also, the Iron Man suit flies, so he could have just fallen from the sky without the plane. It makes no sense. No, makes no sense. Yep. And, oh, and then after the speech, then there's, like, this whole point of view shot where Tony 
is like walking through the halls and like seeing his fans and like he like he sees some kid dressed up with an Iron Man mask. Oh. And he keeps looking at boobs. That's when he sees Stan Lee and I totally zoned out during that like whole portion of the movie. Because you don't like boobs. <laughs> well, no, I like boobs. I just don't care about that part of the movie. As well. Oh. I don't yeah. like when camera shots change dramatically in a movie. Like uh-huh. pick a camera style and stick with it. Mm-hmm. Unless your camera style is Dutch angles every five seconds, like Jessica Jones, please stop doing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Well, I found it really annoying because they had in the first Iron movie like built up Tony as like this misogynistic jerk, right? And then made him better and like, oh, I'm actually interested in power bots, but like I'm distracted by all this other stuff. And so you you have this character arc almost. I say almost because he's not really that much better. No. In order to gain the audience's approval. And then Iron Man 2, boom, even bigger jerk than he was at the beginning of Iron Man 1. I don't feel like he and Pepper Potts have even remotely close to a stable, appropriate relationship. I don't see why she loves him. I don't, I, I believe that he thinks he loves her, but I don't know if he actually loves her. He's just like, he's just used to her being like basically his mom. Yep. And like his slave. Yes. And so like she's the only beautiful woman who's in his life on like a regular basis as opposed to all the bad journalists and other random women that come through. Yep. So I think he like confuses his feelings for her because of that. And I don't know why she feels any type of way for him other than resentment, honestly. And she also didn't seem to be. I was always assuming that's because she doesn't have a life because she doesn't have any time off. So like he's But like why doesn't she date like Agent Cutie Colburn or something? I don't know because Colburn is such a better match for her. They're both put upon and would have been made a much better couple. And it makes me sad because like. You know, in the first movie, how she's like when it's her birthday and he's like, buy yourself something nice. Like, they really suggest that, like, she's not wealthy. And I'm like, he's one of the richest people in the world. And, like, she basically not only is his, like, 24-hour personal assistant, but, like, and essentially a live-in. Like, do we ever see Pepper Potts go home? No. (laughs) And then, on top of that, before, which we'll get to, he appoints her CEO. She's still basically doing his job for him whenever he doesn't want to. Yep. But she's not getting paid adequately. Yep. So that happens. Yeah. Um, and then it turns into a regular angle mm-hmm. or regular camera. <laughs> what would you even call that? It's not a regular camera. It's third it person. It stops being a point of view shot. Yeah. And his regular shot, and Tony's coming out of the building, and he's uh, and like happy, or somebody's telling him, "Oh, this is the new model, meaning the car." But there's also a woman standing by the car yes. who's very attractive. Uh, sure. Oh, sure to the she's very attractive. Yeah, she's played by Kate Mara. I can't stand her. I wish she would stop being in movies. I don't really care. This was a bit part because all she was, was was she was a U.S. Marshal and she was serving him a summons. So she I wasn't famous yet. I think her sister probably was Rooney Mara. Um, I don't know. Who she's that in is. like the girl with the dragon tattoo and some other things. Oh, was, was she? Was she Elizabeth? Yeah. Okay. Um, and 
But so I'm assuming this is where she got her start because then she was in American Horror Story and then House of Cards and now she's in a lot of stuff and I just see her all the time and I wish I didn't. But, um, and it's like, it's not fair because I don't know her personally, but much like Scarlett Johansson, it was one of those things where like the first few things, like roles I saw her in, I just like detested the character and so it like bled on to the person and now I don't want to see her face. Um, but in comic book tie-ins because it's always interesting to see when someone's in a comic book movie as just like a whatever character and then they're like later in a comic book movie uh she is uh the invisible woman in fan stick what the fantastic four reboot oh there's a reboot of that yep it's the worst comic book movie to date at one of the modern era at least you want to watch it it's what? a Marvel movie, but it's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> um, number one, no, I do not want to watch it. Number two, that doesn't make sense why it would <laughs> not be part of the whatever. It's owned by Fox, who owns the Fantastic Four and X-Men. Okay. Maybe but it's also not part of the X-Men universe either. <laughs> some sense, but also I don't care. And you did not build it up. Well, you want to see this awful movie? So but I, awful. of course, and I And you know what's worse? It's like, it's not awful like a lot of these movies are awful. It's awful like literally nothing happens. It's just so boring. Even Like, you know how nothing really happened in the Hulk until like yeah. the end? This one is the same, except for the end is actually like eight and a half minutes long. And the rest of it, of this like hour and 45 minute movie is just them like working in a lab. And, like, awkwardly flirting with each other is bad. Oh, my gosh. That sounds boring. I've only seen that one once. If that tells you anything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it does tell me something. <laughs> wow. I saw it once in the theaters and in the theaters where you can drink alcohol, and I still didn't like it, and I never watched it again. <laughs> yep. You did not like that movie. Wow. <laughs> Okay, so. So she's an officer Kate, of the court. Yep, What? A, what's her name? Kate Mara. Kate Mara. She has a first name, last name. <laughs> yep. Um, serves Tony Stark a summons. He has to be in D.C. by 9 a.m. Yes. Then, then Tony says to Happy, how far is it to D.C. from here? And I had to, uh, the first time I listened to it, I heard 40 to 50 miles, and I was like, What? That doesn't make any sense. So I was very, very <laughs> excited about that. But then later I listened to it again. And this time I put on the subtitles so that I could hear better. And that time it heavy said like 250 miles. Oh. Geography. So how far is it actually? 350 miles. So he's off by 100 miles. But in the right range, which is like really good. I guess. <laughs> It's super good for a Marvel movie. So that would be four hours driving, okay. or I'm assuming less if you drive like a crazy person who's rich and has like a brand new car. And they had to be there by 9 a.m. Yep. Or an hour flying. We'd estimate it was, what, 11? Yeah, 10, 11 at night. Around there. Okay. So that, that explains why he's kind of loopy. Plausible, though. <laughs> In the morning, when he's when he gets to and gets to DC and is testifying in front of Congress, because yes. he mostly just insults Senator Stern, mm -hmm. um, who looks like a fish. He was very disheveled. He must have just slept in the back seat. Yeah, 
Yeah, and like, and makes a lot of jokes and is kind of irritating. So let's talk about this. Um, politically, where do you stand on the government seizure of the Iron Man suit? It's fictional, so I don't <laughs> really have a stand, dude. <laughs> if you had to, if you were on the Senate Armed Services Committee. Uh huh. And Tony Stark was testifying in front of you. Uh huh. Would you be pro seizure of the suit or against? Well, I think it is dangerous. Mm -hmm. I think that was proved in the last movie when he battled his former business partner, Obadiah, Mm -hmm. and blew up a whole bunch of things. (laughs) Technically, Pepper blew stuff up. Um, they they blew up a whole bunch of things and caused a lot of property damage. True. Although given it was a lot of of Stark property damage, but no, nope, that was the Hulk where like things were anyway. Um, and created a sky beam for no reason. So that all seems really dangerous. Also, but. He, he goes through and he flies around and oh, damaged a jet. That too operates it on, um, I want to say it on license, but I would call it without a um, flight plan. Yeah. So that seems pretty bad. I mean, I'm sure Jarvis can tap into like uh, air traffic control. (laughs) But I think that it's okay because the Iron Man suit while it can be utilized as a weapon, it is not technically a weapon. Those are just jet propulsion, and like the government's not going to Boeing and like seizing all of their jet engines. And it's based on the reactor technology, and the government allows for like nuclear power plants and other forms of electricity and reactors to exist on private corporate land. So, why can't the Iron Man suit and the arc reactor? The arc reactor does exist on private land. They're yeah, not but they're like using the arc reactor. They're claiming like the arc reactor is what powers the Iron Man suit. It's the basis of the technology. Without the arc reactor technology, no one else could make an Iron Man suit, which is what they were all afraid of in the beginning. Um, because like Mickey Rourke doesn't make an Iron Man like laser shooting suit like Iron Man's. He makes electricity whips. I could make electricity whips with some copper wire. <laughs> like. Okay, but he also has a arc reactor. Yeah. Stark Industries is also powering all of it, their manufacturing with an arc reactor. Mm-hmm. They're not after the arc reactor. But I'm saying they, if they want to be after something, they should be after the arc reactor. Like, they're not going to go to Menards and seize all of the, like, generators and copper wire that I could use to make the suit. <laughs> like... No. I'm just saying, it seems silly to me. Your argument seems a little silly to me because it's clearly dangerous. <laughs> yeah, but like what isn't dangerous? Cars are dangerous. Yeah, that's true. So like just make them get a license. Yep. That seems regulation. Right. I don't believe in seizure. Yep. Like regulations, way to go. Yep. This is what I think is bullshit about that setting committee here. <laughs> okay. Senator Fishface says, Hey, do you or do you not possess a specialized weapon? Mm-hmm. And Tony says, No. Yes. But he is a specialized weapons manufacturer, so how the hell does he not possess a specialized weapon? Um, Stark Industries no longer 
manufacturer's weapons, I believe, is a position of better parts. Um, that was six months ago. You don't just, like, leave a, a industry that quickly. I think they did. I do not think they did. And that's why the, start, the stocks all dropped. And, like, then Pepper was like, yeah, you know, you're ruining the company. And then Tony was like, but the stocks are back up now that we're doing whatever they're doing. They don't ever define that. They do later. Well, like in Iron Man 3? Uh, yes. Because all the stuff that's really good... They're not selling at all. They start doing like humanitarian efforts, and then like in the Avengers, like Stark pays for all the like property damage and has like relief. Where does he get that money to do that? His stock market money, I guess. So they become an investment bank. This seems uh, that they're like a venture uh, capital, a humanitarian aid corporation. They do like technology research into things. I don't know. They're still inventing things. Bullshit. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Talk yeah. to Pepper Potts about it. I would. <laughs> they, they, they turn Stark Industries into goop. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's where they get all their money. money. <laughs> yeah. And then Tony defines the Iron Man suit as a high-tech prosthesis and makes a big speech about how he and the suit are one. I am Iron Man. The suit is me, which is bullshit because he has like five of them sitting in a (laughs) case at home. Yep. If it was you, there would just be one and you'd be like wearing it all the time. I mean, but I I don't think that his definition is incorrect. That's high-tech prosthesis. Like essentially that's what it is. Uh huh, but it's not him. No, but like the character or like the idea of Iron Man, I think mm-hmm. is what he's suggesting is him. Like he is Iron Man. Uh huh. But yeah, because what what happened in the last movie? Somebody else became a different Iron Man thing. Yep. What happens in this movie? Somebody else becomes a different Iron Man thing. Yeah. Yeah, so... Do you know what happens in the third movie? I don't want to guess yet. We'll get there when we get there. (laughs) That's not even in this phase. Nope, it's not. It's in the next one. Yeah. Um, Hopefully there'll never be a fourth Iron Man. Iron Man's my favorite. I love him. No, he's not. Yeah. Henry Cavill's your favorite. But Superman's not. I don't like Superman at all. No. That's why I didn't say Superman's your favorite. I said Henry Cavill's your favorite. Um, then they call in Colonel Bestie to testify. Uh-huh. Um, who has a new face? He does. Why does he have a new face? Uh, apparently because uh, Terrence Howard's hard to work with. They make a joke about it. They do. It's not a very funny joke. No, it's not. And he testifies that the Iron Man suit could be dangerous. Um, as Stark does not operate within the U.S. Armed Forces and is not under the U.S. government's control, but he should be folded into their system because he's a potential advantage instead of a, de- uh, a I don't even know, like a... a disadvantage? disadvantage? Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, yeah, threat. That's good. Um, and then... Keep a pin in that ideology because that will come up later as a major plot point. But... Okay. Pinned. Yeah. Okay. Senator Stern asked him to show some images um, from his report, which he's not ready for. Um, They're satellite 
images of what they believe are other countries trying to replicate the manned Iron Man suit. And then Tony pulls out a video of what are the actual tests are using some like fancy override cell phone technology. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this looks like North Korea. Let me pull up my video of this North Korea thing. And they're all play like blooper reels. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is stupid for two reasons. Okay. Number one, someone tried successfully to replicate the Iron Man suit already. So we already know people are trying that, like, duh, because Obadiah did that. Right. Um, Tony's argument is essentially that's okay. All these other countries are trying to replicate this thing I have, but they're five to ten years away. So, like, that that's cool. We don't have to worry about that at all. Right. Um, but that's like saying, oh, don't don't worry about anybody having nuclear weapons. <laughs> they don't have them yet. <laughs> And then the other thing is Tony doesn't have one Iron Man suit. He has a bunch of them. And all somebody would need to get one is to use that paralyzer sound that Obadiah used. Well, but again, you need the arc reactor technology, which is why I don't understand how these other countries are powering these suits. Yeah, but that's easy enough to get if you can get the suit. It doesn't seem like anyone has like the technology, though. Yeah, but, like, if you can steal a suit from Tony. Since oh, like, has, steal like, the one from his body? Yeah, or the, like, five extra ones he has sitting in his house, since oh, Obadiah yeah. could do that. That's and true. then, oh, later in the movie, something very similar happens. And then, oh, yeah, Tony, like, blows up all the walls of his house, so you can pretty much walk right into his yeah. house. Yeah, no, I, so I'm confused, because now that I'm thinking about it, when uh, Colonel Best Friend steals the Iron Man suit, it's already got a reactor in it. Yes, it does. So why? That doesn't make sense. Well, maybe after somebody stole the reactor right out of his chest, he made a bunch of extra reactors so he wouldn't wouldn't have some spares and also so it'd be easier so that that five other people could have Iron Man suits. That's true. Although, I will say, that's kind of like America's answer to other countries having nuclear weapons is like well we had them first and we have more of them so (laughs) you know and i feel like tony has better security than the u.s government like i mean obviously he hasn't displayed that very well but like he's certainly got more money than the u.s government. (laughs) i mean not more money than the u.s government as a whole but like he's like a single person with billions of dollars as opposed to like a whole country spending tax money but six months ago in this timeline, somebody did steal his That's true. arc reactor. But they had personal access to his person and his home. Uh-huh. And then in this movie, <laughs> somebody steals. He allowed them to. Did he, or was he just drunk and having a party? No, he had like a death wish. He thought he was dying, so he got all whatever. It's like a running character trait for Tony. We explore it very deeply in Iron Man 3, where he's like, starts getting no. post-traumatic stress. Thank <laughs> thank thanks, but no thanks. It's actually this really great scene, because he like, or not scene, but like, it's really the whole movie, but there's a great bit where he's like, 
uh, the Iron Man suit breaks down and he's lost in like North Dakota or something, and he has to like partner with this small child who's really sassy. It's great. I like the word sassy in that. Mm-hmm. That's about it. <laughs> so then, uh, Tony goes home. He's depleting the palladium cores in his arc reactor core, and his blood is getting toxified by it. So he has to drink some green goop. And, which I bet they sell on goop. And the infection is spreading. Isn't it? I thought it was just toxicity. Toxicity. It's spreading through his body visibly, like as if it were through his veins, but it's not in the pattern of human veins. It's like microchip patterns. Yeah. (laughs) Which makes no sense. So stupid. And he takes off his shirt. And it would be one thing to just be like a stupid movie thing. But later in the movie, I believe it's Nick Fury, comments on how it looks technological. Oh, God. So in canon of this universe, that's what it looks like. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so I looked up palladium. It Uh turns out non-toxic. It's possibly a little bit carcinogenic. If you take it intravenously, meaning okay. in your body, but if you recall the um, the arc reactor and the goop mm-hmm. is not biological, so that no. means it's not in direct contact with his body. No, so it's it, not. That's, that's what I didn't understand either. Is because like, unless he completely changed it, which I don't believe he did. Um. Oh wait. Is that this one? or No, I think it's not until Iron Man 3 when he doesn't actually need the core anymore. Um, but yeah, it was like encased in like metal tubing that like, so like none of his actual body parts touched it. And the palladium itself is inside of the reactor core, which uh-huh. is connected to his body via wires. Yep. So yeah, it shouldn't be getting into his bloodstream at all. Yep. The only like radiation... I could buy that. Yeah. But radiation also does not cause your veins to <laughs> turn <laughs> black. In a technological <laughs> pattern. No. Yep. So that was dumb. Um, and so he keeps like pricking his finger on like a little blood tester thing to tell him what his blood toxicity is, which like seems like be a cool thing for like when you drink alcohol. They have a breathalyzer for that. Yeah, but those are very reliable. But not reliable. No, you can't like drink or eat within like thirty minutes of using it, and like the whole thing. And everyone's blood alcohol like percentage to their like body weight and just like their natural tolerance and all that. You would think that would okay. Anywho, Whatever. so yeah, he's hiding it from everyone, including Pepper, and she's like seems to be onto him, but she doesn't press it very hard. And then he, like, gets this ugly Iron Man painting, and he wants... It's not even a painting. It's, like, the Obama, like, change poster, but with Iron Man's face on it. Yep. And he takes down some really expensive modern art to yep. put that up, and Pepper's real mad at him because he just gave away the entire, like, some art collection to the Boy Scouts. Yep. Because Stark Industries is now a <laughs> like charity organization. 
And then um, he just like randomly is like, you know what? You're going to be CEO. And then some champagne comes out. But then he says he's been thinking about it for a long time. So I'm like, which is it? It's just like a random act that like, because he like played it up as if he just had this genius breakthrough idea. But then he's like, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Here's some champagne that's been ready and chilling. So who knows? He's a liar. But so Pepper's like, I don't want to be CEO. And he's like, you're going to be CEO. And then we go back to Russia. I don't remember this. Oh, yeah. This is this is a short scene. It's essentially like, is Russia? It's still snowing. <laughs> Ivan gets some tickets to the <laughs> the Grand Prix uh-huh. uh, in Monaco and a passport, so you know where he's going to Monaco. Yes, and um, that Grand Prix is held generally the last weekend in May. Um, Would it be that snowy in Moscow in May? Um, I think he's not getting the tickets like right before he's going. Oh, you okay. buy it in advance. Like if you recall, in the middle of April, it was quite snowy here. That's true. In Minneapolis. Okay, so back to um, the states and Stark Industries. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> this scene. Um. Yeah. So I called it boxing and notarizing paperwork. Natalie Rushman is from legal and has some paperwork for Tony Stark to sign. Um, She's introduced as the notary is there. And I assumed she was a lawyer because it was, she was from legal. Right. Um, You know, you can get licensed as a notary, like. It's really cheap. real easy. Yeah, yeah, it is. So she might not be a lawyer. I assumed that because she was she was dressed professionally. Yes, and she was from the legal department, and the, you know, legal departments generally aren't lawyers and have <laughs> lawyers. However, Tony does not care that she's from legal. He's no. also lively unaware of like his own staff apparently, um, and is just like into her. Oh like, yeah. He, he like, he's boxing happy at this time yes. and gets out of the ring and sits down and then asks her to box happy for some reason. Yep. Just so he can stare at her, I guess. Yep. And then he so, says to Pepper, who he's supposedly in love with, get me one. Yeah. <laughs> or I need one. Yep. And Pepper specifically says to him that she is potentially a very expensive sexual harassment <laughs> lawsuit, which, which I... Agreed. Agreed. And it's kind of nice to like hear somebody say, hey, this is a thing. Yeah. Like we acknowledge that this is in our movie. Um, yeah. Tony says he needs a new assistant and he Googles her to see a resume and her underwear photos. Yes. Like she is like with a furry blanket in her laundry. And I at first I was like, oh, my gosh. Why does this lawyer have <laughs> underwear photos on the internet? So I'm thinking, since spoiler alert, we later learn that she is actually Black Widow, that part of her cover, when they're like building off this fake alias of her, they put those photos on the internet because they know Tony Stark's gross. Yeah, she's a plant. Yes. Yeah, so I like that. Like, there are two plants in this this movie. Both of which are like very easy to trick Tony with yes. sexy women. Yep. So yeah, then uh, 
she like kicks Happy's ass and he's like very thrown away by that because he's a misogynist. And then uh then we go to the Grand Prix in Monaco. Geography. Where's the Grand Prix? Well, the Grand Prix is a lot of different places. Okay. Where is it in this movie specifically? <laughs> this is the Grand Prix de Monaco. And so it's in Monaco, which is a city-state in the south of France, near the Italian border on the Mediterranean Sea. Okay. Okay. It's very small. It has um, it has a small, like, one-mile border with the sea and, like, a three-mile border with the with France. They speak French there. And I looked up some information about the Grand Prix, which is actually um, a bunch of different races. This is the shortest race of all of the Grand Prix, which is like the S is on the Grand, <laughs> not on the Prix. It's but, the shortest race because it's in the smallest country. Um, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's tiny. They race around the city street. It's the shortest race. It's the most um, difficult race because the turns are so tight. It's around like city streets and city oh. corners, so they shut down, you know, the entire city country. Mm-hmm. Um, and they race around the track seventy eight times. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So that's what that's what happens when you have a really small country. Um, you really need to race around those things a lot of time. It's also, um, it's not part of the European Union, but they use the euro and they they have legalized gambling. So it's very famous for casinos. Nice. And then there are multiple Grand Prix, which are Formula One races um, all across Europe. And then there's also ones in the United States as well. And it translates to big prizes. Nice. But that phrase also translates to other things like great prices. <laughs> so it's extra kind of funny that it's like means multiple things. I think the Grand Prix or Formula One in general is far more interesting than NASCAR because they go way faster and they're little. Uh-huh. And they're turning tight corners around. Yeah. And like stone, like cobblestone roads. Mm-hmm. That can't be fun. Or maybe it is. Sounds exciting. Dangerous. Anyway. Tony's at the Hotel Paris. There's a yep. Hotel Paris in not Paris. Yes. Not even France, technically. Right. They speak French. Fair enough. Well, uh, not in this well, movie. Everyone in this movie speaks English. Um, and they meet up with Justin Hammer, uh, a bad journalist, to say hi to Elon Musk. Tony is there, even though... I don't believe he has any business there. Maybe he's just going to watch the Grand Prix because Pepper is now CEO. Yeah. And it's unclear to me at this point whether Pepper is the one, like the reason Natalie's there, like she's her assistant now, or if Tony actually got her as his assistant. Uh Uh-huh. Because you were thinking that Natalie was his assistant now because like she shows up at his house a lot to like tell him stuff. But then later, she's also in Pepper's office telling Pepper stuff. And she exclusively takes orders from Pepper. Yeah. But because Tony, and that's the other thing is like, they don't make it clear, but it seems that Tony just doesn't work for Stark Industries anymore. Like when Bill Gates stopped being CEO, he gave himself some like bullshit job title and he still worked at Microsoft. But like, 
it doesn't seem that Tony works there anymore because he didn't really work to begin with. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I was assuming he still, like, owned the company. Yeah. But just, like, did whatever the heck he wanted. So, like, I don't know why this girl, I don't know what, and, like, yeah, whatever. So, why? this poor girl got moved from legal, which, I mean, she's a plant. We later learned, so it's fine. But it's not fine if she wasn't. Yeah, uh, it's not <laughs> fine if she wasn't. <laughs> And uh, so she's there and she's setting up appointments and then Justin Hammer and Tony are having this like dick measuring contest that Justin always loses. So I don't understand why he tries. Um, He's basically just in this movie to be like the lesser Tony Stark. Yes. Which is kind of sad. But he's also like a bad person. Yes. But I feel like they only paint him as a bad person so that we like root for Tony. You need to have a worse character. <laughs> yeah. If, if your hero of your story is an a-hole. Exactly. Because, like, if you, like, Justin Hammer, like, if the story was told from his point of view, and, like, they didn't make him, like, he was still, like, kind of dopey and just, like, could never get it right. And yeah. Tony Stark's this big asshole who's always yeah, being sarcastic. Like, you like would sympathize a, with him. Yeah, you'd be like, uh, oh, you jumped so hard. Yeah. I really want to try. <laughs> yeah. That'd be much different. <laughs> but then they they go so far as to make him like gross and sexist and kind of an egomaniac and also not good at things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, he, but that's another. It's a character trope that happens in movies a lot, and I think is really stupid. Where they like have a character who's not as good as the main character, but they do the same things. But then he's, like, still the number two person in the world. But from everything we've been shown, Justin Hammer is wholly incompetent. That's very true. (laughs) Everything we've been shown, he's entirely incompetent. How is he getting the government contract just because Tony won't? It's like he's the second person they would call if Tony won't do something. And I don't understand that at all. I don't know. Maybe this universe they live in, um, there was Tony Stark, weapons manufacturer, and then nobody else wanted to make nobody else except for one other guy. <laughs> I don't know. Guess so. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's interesting because I mentioned to you um, there's a, a lot of weird connections uh, with this movie to the first Charlie's Angels movie starring uh, <laughs> Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, and Cameron Diaz, where, um, what's his name? Sam uh, Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Uh, who, who plays, plays Justin Hammer, is also in that movie. He's also a weapons manufacturer slash, like, genius coder. And they also go to a Formula One race. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Huh. They're in the hotel, and, like, they're having a dick measuring contest. And then, and then Bad Journalist is trying to, or is pretending like she's interviewing Justin Hammer. And then Tony leaves the hotel goes out to see his Formula One car, kicks his driver out, who's real mad because that's his job, and decides he's going to drive the car himself. (laughs) Yep. But that doesn't last for long because he gets attacked by whiplash right after he burns (laughs) off his half of his his clothing. Yes. And he has big electric whips. I know he's in like a jumpsuit, but I'm, I'm taking umbrage with the fact that they just let some man... 
open up the fence and walk on to the streets in the middle of the race. I was assuming that that was like part of his forged documents that it was like a pit crew pass or something. I don't think anyone in pit crew is allowed to just walk into the middle of the street during the race, though. Like they have dedicated pits. Yes, he would be in the pit, but who who would be insane enough to go out? And so why would you have a barricade for like professionals? That's fair. I don't know. So he goes out there and he starts whipping cars with his little electrical whips. Which, by the way, cut like straight through cars. Yes. Like it's it's insane. And they don't blow up. No. Which is very weird for this movie. There's no fireworks. Not at this point. Um, <laughs> But yeah. And then Tony comes and he whips his car in half. And then he like apparently keeps missing. We're led to believe. But then it's also he's suggesting that he wasn't actually trying to kill him. I don't know. But in the meantime, Pepper in the hotel sees this on the television. Yes. Grabs Happy and they get into the limo and the limo drives on the <laughs> racetrack. Yes, it does. To run o- against traffic. To run into Whiplash and help save Tony and bring him the travel-sized Iron Man suit, which comes in a case. Yep. And then uh, suits him up. It goes full Transformers. Like he steps on it and it like shifts around metallically and turns into his bodysuit. Yep. I wish it made the Transformers noise. You know, the, can, the can transforming you, noise. Can you please make that noise for me? Like metal clanking and man, you have to hear the noise. Okay, that does sound pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, so then he does that and, uh, starts fighting and no, he doesn't before all of this happens. We skipped a part. Happy drives into him. Oh, into whiplash. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Slams him against the gate slash cement barricade. He's like bleeding from the mouth, but not dead, like slightly unconscious. But then he like regains consciousness and starts like flailing his whip again so happy backs up and slams into him again like four more times like i think they were playing it for like a comedy beat at that point because he just kept slamming into him and he's like not dying his entire torso should be destroyed his pelvis should be crushed (laughs) but like He's still just, like, whiplashing away at the doors, like, chopping off bits of the limo. Pepper's in there screaming she can't, like, hand Tony the briefcase. The whole thing. Then he gets the suit on. They start fighting. He beats him up. Um, The police come. They arrest Whiplash somehow. Yes. And then he goes to prison, where we learn about prison in Monaco. Yes. So... I looked this up because I was like, how can this tiny city state have this prison? Would it is it a protectorate of France and therefore you would go be going to French prison? Yeah. But no. No, it's not. No. It is not a member of the European Union, not part of France. They have their own prison capacity. That is um that is eighty two prisoners. <laughs> You're laughing because I already told you my joke, which is so I have a proposal for an Oceans <laughs> sequel. I call it Oceans 83. They can't send all of us to prison. <laughs> yes, amazing. Where they rob a casino in Monaco. And then 
not everybody goes to prison. Exactly, because they can only arrest 82 of them at most. Yeah. And they'd have to set all the other prisoners already there free. Yeah. Who knows what those guys did? Probably rob right? a casino. Exactly. So, yeah, um, he well, goes to prison. And then we get the most convoluted prison escape scene Maybe from any movie ever, including yeah. The Rock. After they let Tony just talk to the prisoner for, I don't know, no apparent reason. Yeah, he's like uh, rich, so I guess that gives him political pull in and, Monaco. And that guy attacked me personally. <laughs> well, so. he's Iron Man, so he's like uh, basically okay. a superhero, I guess. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But anyway, he walks in, not as Iron Man, just full on as Tony Stark, like... Just walks into this prison cell, which didn't look like he wasn't in a prison cell. It looked like he was in like the locker room or something, yeah, it right? It looked like he was in the interrogation room. Um, and he goes in and they're chatting, and Tony doesn't know who he is, but he knows who Tony is. Um, and he makes it clear that he is going there to hurt him and that this is all part of his master plan because, like many movies of this era, but specifically the Marvel movies, bad guy's plan is always to get caught. <laughs> And that is okay, whatever. So he gets caught to stick it to Tony, and he's like, What you did to my family over 40 years, I will do to you in 40 minutes. I know he says that on the phone later. He says something cryptic. I don't know, whatever. So he says something, and then Tony's like being all gloaty, and he's like, Oh, you're this thing, science words, sci fi terms. Uh, You should have done it this way. And then Anton doesn't say anything back. And then he leaves. Um, and then he goes to jail. And then the prison guard gives him his food uh-huh. with a note that says, enjoy the potatoes. And the potatoes are actually a hunk of C4 or some other kind of plastic explosives. Uh-huh. But then... He also has a key. The prison guard walks by and sets the key on his little cell door. And then <laughs> another prisoner comes in who looks a lot like him and has the same prison number on his on his prison jumpsuit. So then he beats the guy to death and then blows the cell up. Or no, then unlocks the door but sets the the explosives, then blows the cell up as he's walking away. Then knocks unconscious two police guards that aren't the ones helping him escape, gets into a stairwell where the police guard that was helping him escape and another police guard put a bag over his head and take him and put him in the back of a truck. Why? Yeah, like, it makes no sense. Why do we need, like, a second body that looks so much like him and has the same number if you're going to blow up that area? Yeah, I my only thought was, like, they must just be, like, trying to burn the body so that they can't tell that it's not actually him. But I'm like... You know what burns faster than flesh? The numbers on the jumpsuit. That's right. Just... <laughs> if, if I learned anything exactly. from that last scene, the top half of the jumpsuit burns much faster so than I, any other part and of the jumpsuit. If he's just going to escape, especially if they're going to blow it up anyways, why not just unlock the door with the key? Like, why are they being so shifty about it? I, it made no sense. But so they drive this armored car with him in the back of it with the bag on his face to Hammer's airplane hangar, presumably still in Monaco, because 
in a city that's three miles big, there's just so many airline hangers. Maybe it was in France. I don't know. He goes to an airline hangar and Hammer is having dinner in the middle of this hangar that's completely empty with nothing but like a single airplane and a dinner table. (laughs) And, but he's not having dinner. He has dessert first. He makes a point of that. And he has gelato, Italian gelato flown in from California to presumably France or Italy or Monaco, wherever they are. Stupid joke. I don't know if that was a character building moment to just show what an asshole he is, like waste resources because he's rich. I don't know. But it was dumb. I do love gelato. Yeah, it's it's sugar and delicious fat. Yes. He's like, you're you can build me Iron Man suits. And Anton's like, I need my bird in a really bad Russian accent. And then he's the bird. like, what bird? Like, what's the bird? We can get you a bird. And he's like, they spend a lot of time on the bird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we're on Pepper's jet, or Tony's jet, the Stark jet. And Tony and Pepper are, well, Pepper's like shaken because Pepper's always shaken. I don't know, like, I'm not saying she doesn't have traumatic experiences. I'm just saying when, like, traumatic experiences are part of your day-to-day life, don't you get desensitized? You know, like, she wasn't even on the racetrack until the end. Well, maybe she's just a regular person. But she's not, like, from the way she describes it, it sounds like this isn't the first time this kind of thing happened. Like, it sounds like those kinds of things happen with Tony constantly and consistently. And she's always the one putting out the fires. So I feel like she should be just, like, over it and, like, exasperated at this point. Yeah, be like, stop trying to kill yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Why did you do that? But she's like frantic. Do I need to handcuff you to the bar? <laughs> um, and he makes her food. An omelet? Was Is that omelet what that was thing? supposed to be? It looked really gross. It was not a good look. It was like if you made eggs poorly and then there was like a dead fish in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because she, she says, what were you doing for the last three hours? <laughs> yes. And the answer was making you this thing. Uh-huh. And I was like... This is where I was like, you weren't hanging out with those strippers on the other part of the airplane? Because right. that was what you did last time you were on an airplane. Yes. And so now we are, he's like, I don't want to like face the music when we get back to Stark Industries and have to answer to the shareholders and, you know, deal with these problems. So let's just go to Venice. Mm-hmm. And um, my question is, if they've been flying from France and or Monaco for three hours... <laughs> At least three hours. Westerly towards the United States of America. Yes. Venice would be very much behind them. Geography. Learned something. (laughs) Yep. Yes. Yeah. It seems stupid, but you know, whatever. So yeah, he wants to turn the plane around and go to Venice. And she's like, we can't just go to Venice. She's like, some people can't just jet off whenever they feel like it, instead of facing their responsibilities. of being the new CEO. So, um... Tony thinks he's dying. Yes. And it's his birthday, so he's going to have a last birthday party. Yeah. Yeah, which is at his house, Mm -hmm. where he keeps his five Iron Man suits. Mm -hmm. And, um... He's wearing his Iron Man suit. Yep, he's getting real drunk... 
And then he makes some stupid speech and then Pepper takes the microphone and then says something like, you know, like basically like, thank you all for coming. It's time to go home. Yes. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And uh, Tony's not having that. He's not having that at all. He's like, no, the party is ending because the after party's starting. (laughs) That's so stupid. (laughs) And then this dumb girl who like, I don't know the Playboy Bunnies well enough, but I feel like that was a cameo of like one of the Playboy Bunnies that's more famous. Um, I don't know. She's blonde. Uh, starts like she's barefoot first of all, which I was uncomfortable with. And she starts. That's just because you've never worn high heels. That's what you're gonna do with it. Okay, right? listen. When your defining character trait is like a sexy woman at a billionaire's party, you gotta keep your shoes on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Continue. Um. Yeah, she starts throwing things into the air like they're like uh, playing, what's that called? Shock put? Skate shoot? Skate shoot, whatever. Um, what are the things called? Clay pigeons? Yep. And like throwing champagne bottles and like dishware into the air for him to shoot with energy pulses from the Iron Man weapon. Uh-huh. Which is real dangerous in a room full of drunk people with a guy who's drunk. Directly above her head. I'm sure she is not a, like, certified whatever the fuck. Skeet shoot thrower. Jockey, caddy, whatever they are in that sport. Um, Yeah. And and then Pepper's like, I can't believe this. And Rhodey's there, and he just got off the phone with some unnamed government official. And he's like, you better get him in line. And he's like, don't worry. Give me 24 hours. I'll handle it personally. And so he goes. And he's just in shock by what he's witnessing. Which, again, I feel like if you know Tony Stark personally, none of this should come as a surprise to you. But, so. Well, like, he's kind of destroying his house. When isn't he? Uh, that's kind of true because even <laughs> when he's doing responsible things like I'm inventing stuff yeah. he's also destroying his house all the time yeah. so then he goes down to the uh, basement garage slash workshop slash dance floor um, I didn't see much of the dance floor in this movie was no 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 not much uh, and he gets the unpainted like Iron Man suit which is stupid like that's not the one I would go for uh-huh. uh huh. But it does help you keep them, um, like figure out who's who True. rather than like have. Two but I feel like it. he had like other color combination ones. There was like five. There were like five. <laughs> uh, but he gets the silver one, which again, why does it already have an arc reactor in it? Why does he know how to operate it? Mm-hmm. He flies it perfectly. If we remember back to the first Iron Man, the first time he tries to test flight. He's like wobbling all over the place, like almost falls on top of his expensive cars and all that stuff. Yep. But Colonel Best Friend can just fly it and like shoot the lasers perfectly and operate the whole system. So he gets there and he's like, everybody leave. And like it wasn't as impressive or stern as I think you meant to be. But everyone leaves. But actually they didn't. They just all go outside on the patio and like are recording from their cell phone cameras. Which again... Much like we talked about with the Hulk in 2000. When did this one come out? 10? Yeah. Cell phones did not have good enough cameras to record like quality newsworthy footage of anything. Okay. Um, yeah. So then they start fighting each other and Iron Man turns to DJ. AM? Uh-huh. 
and tells him to drop a sick beat to kick his best friend's ass to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then he starts playing. Um, what song does he play? I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't a good song for fighting, too. That's all I remember. Um, it, so it was not Eye of the Tiger? No, it should have been. Um, and so they're fighting, and then they um, Dragon Ball Z each other. Do you understand that reference? Um, yes. Okay. Um, where they, like, shoot their beams at each other, and then it just, like, meets in the middle and explodes. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't understand why all the partygoers are like, I'm going to still be here, instead of being like, I'm getting out of here because they're shooting weapons at each yes. other. Yes. Like, um, this is what I'm going to compare it to, is... Remember that cell phone sh- footage of that uh, like FBI agent who like did a backflip on a dance floor and his gun fell out of his pocket? Yes. And then shot some guy in the leg? Yes. Okay, it's like if that happened at a party and then he got out a backpack full of guns and then like started throwing <laughs> them all over the place and you stayed at that party. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, uh, and then... Um, so they're knocked out, and he leaves with Iron Man 2 suit. And um, then we're outside the donut shop where Tony's, like, sitting on top of the donut, like, on their sign. Like, mm-hmm. giant donut. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then no, Nick Fury comes by and is like, get down from the donut. Yeah. And then they go inside and have some donuts. They do, and he talks about Tony getting his life together. And then this is where the big reveal that Scarlet, see, I was about to call her Scarlet Witch. <laughs> Black Widow is actually a double agent or a plant or whatever she is yeah. at this point. Yeah, as uh, Agent Romanoff. Yes. Uh, and then oh, he's like and then sassy Tony, to her. Tony fires her. Oh, which yeah. Which is like quite obvious at this point why, like, it, if she was ever his assistant, she would now not work for him and be, <laughs> be Pepper's assistant. Because he's like, you're fired. And then she's like, that's not up to you. Because she's like at that point working for S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. But also she's presumably working for Stark Industries and Pepper Potts and not him. And what's weird is that apparently she and S.H.I.E.L.D. know about his poison, blood, whatever. Yep. And have... A not a cure, but a, a something to a, a a a symptom reliever medicine. Yes, but don't give it to him until now. Yep. And then have like this information about that his dad was like working on some new form of energy, and somehow coincidentally, it could save him. Oh yeah, because it would serve as a good replacement for palladium. Yeah, oh, this makes no sense. Which, again, we still have not gotten to the fact that he is a billionaire, genius, scientist, but has not found, and has found a way to sustain life while putting a reactor core in his chest, Uh magnetized, but hasn't found a way to just surgically remove the shards of metal from his body. Yeah, Nick Fury says, your father was like one of the founding members of of S.H.I.E.L.D. And he said, 
that you were the the only one with the means and knowledge to solve what he had started, and you can find the riddle of your heart. Yes. Which is crazy, because he was dead by the time this heart thing had happened. Um, I don't know exactly when Howard Stark, daddy, died and to his son, but I'm just going to guess that, like, he didn't necessarily know that his son was a genius. He did. He did? Okay. Because, like, in the video, he's, like, six years old. Yeah, no. He, uh, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> Part of Civil War. Okay. And, uh, Captain America, actually. We see, we see Tony's dad played by a completely different actor that looks, I mean, he's supposed to be, like, Younger. Substantially younger, but still not enough to look like a completely different human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so then uh, he leaves Nick Furry <laughs> and Natasha, and they leave Agent Coulson there, and he's like, don't be a dick or I'll tase you, mm-hmm. which I appreciated. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, they leave him at at Tony Stark's house, yes. and Uncle Vernon is ordered to keep him on at the house. Which he does not do like, very shortly thereafter. No, like, completely <laughs> ineffectual, and, like, half the house is just, like, open yep. because he burst out all his windows. Yes. Which would be a great time to, like, walk in and steal an Iron Man suit. Yep, so... uh then he opens up this case that Nick left from him from his dad, and it's got blueprints for the arc reactor in it, and it signed his dad's name and also uh, uh, Anton Banco's dad. Oh yeah. Or Ivan, his dad's name was Anton. Wasn't yeah. It? Whatever. That's weird because then it's essentially like. Anthony Stark was named after this man that he had expelled from the country for what he says in like this like film reel video of himself is that he was he had him expelled from the country for trying to monetize the arc reactor. Yeah. Like for trying to get rich. Meanwhile, (laughs) Howard Stark is getting rich off of making making weapons things that actually hurt people they actively suggest i think more than suggest i think they just flat out say actually that tony stark's dad was one of the uh scientists that was integral in creating um what was it what was the the the, like government program when they developed the nuclear bombs all i can think of is project hulk right now (laughs) Which, okay, can we talk about that? Can we talk about that for a second? Uh, this timeline, um, it's not Project as, Manhattan. That one. Not as relevant to this movie as it is going to be in our next film. But World War II, these movies take place in 2010. Tony is, what, 33, 38? No, he's older than that. Really? Yeah. Yes. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is older than that, but I don't think Tony's older than that. You're not that spry when you're pushing 50-something. Um, yeah, that's why he has a power suit. That's fair. Well, whatever. Even if he's 50, 
would his I, dad really be old enough to be doing things in World War II? Um, okay. Okay. So, I was assuming that Tony Stark was somewhere between 50 and 60. He's not that old. How old is... Oh, okay. Let's yeah. look. He was born in 1970 in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Robert Downey Jr. is 53. Okay, so what's the answer? 1970. So 2010. Uh-huh. 40? Sure. World War II was in 39? 39 to 45? So his dad would have had to be like, let's say at least 20 in 39. And then... 45. Have a child in 70? He'd be super old. Men can do that. I mean, they can, but he didn't look that old. In the video, he's that's 74. Yeah. So how did, old did he look then? I'd put him in his 60s. So if he was born in 1914? Okay. Then he would be 60 in 1974? Yeah, that sounds right. But then, like, that wrong. he dies when Tony's, like, a teenager. So that was, like, I want to say 88. According to sci-fi.stackexchange.com, in Captain America, the first Avenger, Howard Stark appears to be in his 20s. So he'd be in his early 50s when Tony, when he had Tony. And he looks the exact same age in Iron Man 2. And then he dies in 1991 at about 70. So that's fair. Whatever. I don't buy it. Anyway. In conclusion, what do we have to say? This age just still seems fishy to me, and I don't think a 20-year-old was heading the Manhattan Project. <laughs> um, he could be born in 1914. If he was 50 years old, he would have been born in 1924. Mm-hmm. And then he would be between 21 and 31 when Project Manhattan was reaching finality. Okay. Does that make you feel any better? Sure. You can assume that he is a genius just like his son. Oh, that's true. Tony did graduate from college at 17. So, So, yeah. All right. So, fine. And so then we're back at uh, Hammer Industries, and he brings Ivan a bird, but it's not his bird. And Ivan's making drones, not suits. That's a problem for Hammer because he wanted suits. And he specifically says, got to put a guy in there. I can't fit my head in this head. (laughs) Hey, can you fit your head in there? Go ahead and try to fit your head in there. Mm -hmm. And then the guy puts the drone head on top of his head. He's like, see, he can't fit his head in there. Yep. The jokes in this movie are not great. No, they're not. Um. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, back at some um, Air Force hangar, Colonel Bestie has the uh, shown up with the Iron Man suit, and he is ordered to weapon. Or he is he is going to weaponize it up, and Hammer shows up there with some guns to show him. Yes, which again, drawing on bridge. These suits. I know I was making the argument earlier that they aren't weapons. However, they can certainly be used as weapons, as we've seen demonstrated. On top of the fact that as these movies go on and on and on and on, we see more and more weapons that Tony has put into the suits, aside from the like 
pulse laser cannon things in the hands and feet that are supposedly just like jet propulsion engines. Um, Like during the final fight scene where he shoots rockets and then laser beams out of his wrists. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Meanwhile, like this is a whole like... Dick showing off contest yes. by Hammer, where he's like, "This is my little gun. This is my bigger gun. You want a grenade launcher? Here's this thing. Here's this thing that's like some elegant like thing that I I call a a bunker buster that will bust the bunker under your bunker that I call the ex wife. Yep. Isn't it elegant and wonderful? Yep, and really phallic. Great." Yeah. Yeah, okay. I didn't. I was like, it's so it, like it. It fits because it's America, and like gaudy and like guns is basically America's whole deal. But I thought it was stupid that they're loading up this suit that is already a perfectly fine weapon with weapons of a previous age of technology. Mm-hmm. But yep. Rhodey is super excited about it. Yep, and they take all of them. All of them, yep. which again. There's no way you could fit all those weapons in that suit. Like, the Gatling gun is just on the shoulder, which I'll buy because Predator does it. But all the rest of those weapons are not fitting in that suit that I'm sure has very particular and advanced mechanics and inner workings. Yeah. <laughs> which, as we've seen, Hammer does not know how to build. <laughs> yep, that's very true. Okay. <laughs> Okay, in the meantime, uh, Tony is um, watching some of his videos in that trunk that uh, Agent Romanoff slash Natalie Rushmore has given him. Um, I think it's Rushman. Rushman? I don't know. Anyway, his dad talks to him directly in the video and gives him a bunch of clues um, about what he's looking through for through video editing and... um, Magic? Yep, and also um, says... Um, he's going. Uh, he uh, he's the only one who can solve it, and and he can't do it because, and only he can, and only his son can do it because he's limited by the technology of his time, which is a weird thing to say because you're always limited by the technology. Yes, and on top of that, like so, as the the character relationship in the arc grows, and specifically Civil War and uh, Captain America, we see that like. Uh, Tony and his dad have this, like, bad relationship where Tony doesn't think his dad cares about him and all he cares about is work, blah, 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 cliche, but he actually loves his son, blah, 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 cliche, because his son, he sees a lot of his son in himself, or vice versa. Yeah. Um, why, if you are making a, a video for the future for your child, presuming after your death, because otherwise, why wouldn't you just talk to him about this when he's, yeah. like, 17? Um why would you not just be like, hey, I think I've discovered a way to make a new element. Here's how to do that. Uh-huh. But I don't have enough technology. Yeah. As opposed to like weird, like hinting at it and building an entire world's fair <laughs> around this concept as a blueprint where he then has to pull apart all of the buildings and place them strategically on a small globe to find the molecular structure of this new element. Oh, yeah. this That whole thing does not make sense. <laughs> it's not make a lick of sense. Like, that's not how atoms work. <laughs> that's not how discovering new elements works. 
Um, like, why did they make it an element? Why weren't they like, here's a new metal alloy, yeah. a new molecule? That would have made it like a, a a whole ton more sense. But you know, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So, so, yep. So Tony makes that new element. Um, uh, he remodels his entire uh house yep. to synthesize that new atom. Um, and uh, somehow he turns that expo model that he picks up from Pepperbots uh, into um, that atom model, but that's not what an atom looks like. And he <laughs> uh, he starts some stuff on fire, and nothing makes sense. That's about all I have for that. He basically uses a laser beam to charge a piece of metal in the arc reactor. And then it becomes a new element? A triangle. A triangle. And so then he has his Iron Man suit refabricated so that the chest piece is a triangle rather than a circle, even though the arc reactor is still a circle. It just has a triangle in the middle of it now. Um, Yeah. Okay, time to take a break. Dale, how much did this movie cost to make? Okay, so this movie had a lot of fireworks, like maybe five times as many fireworks as the first Iron Man movie. It had canonical fireworks as well as the just explosion fireworks. Yeah, yeah, like real fireworks. Um, And as I've learned, because pulling back the curtain from our real life, uh, it was just the 4th of July about a week and a half ago. Yeah. And the mayor of St. Paul said that they would not be doing fireworks this year because they cost $100,000 and that money could be spent elsewhere. Uh-huh. So I'm going with more than $100,000. <laughs> At I'm... least 300000 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a lot. Okay. So if Iron Man Wong costs like $140,000 and this has five times as much fireworks, plus I'm guessing Robert Downey Jr. was like, uh, yeah, I did your movie, but now I need more money. I'm guessing this costs twice as much, so $280 million. Little high. $200 million? Right on the nose. All right, okay. Yep. And I'm guessing it did not do as well as Iron Man 1, because uh. I did not see it. No. Also, it was worse. Yeah. So I'm going to say it made twice as much as they spent on it. So $400 million. Domestically or worldwide? That's combined. Okay. You're a little low. What do you think it made domestically? Um, $200 billion. $200 billion? $200 billion. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. So uh, domestically, it made three hundred twelve billion four hundred thirty-three thousand three hundred thirty-one. You now you're saying billion again. <laughs> yes, I am. Million. Yes. Um. So three hundred twelve million dollars plus the four hundred thousand dollars for the big fireworks sequence. <laughs> um. It made only. A million dollars less than that. Almost exactly a million dollars less than that. Uh, foreign. Um, 
Maybe they were sad that they didn't go anywhere outside the United States in this movie other than Monaco. Fair. Um, Monaco's population is not as big as that of South Korea, I would bet. Uh, yeah, it's it's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so for a combined total of $623 million. Almost 640 It's or 624 it's 900,333. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Iron Man 1. Did uh, you know, very well. This one just did okay. You know, okay. this one made more money than Iron Man one, but it cost like sixty million dollars less. So, you know. Yeah, back to plot. Tony goes to see Pepper at her office that used to be his office. Yeah. Pepper's on the phone. Bill O'Reilly is on the TV. Pepper's short with Tony when he's trying to say something because he's terrible at talking and talking and brought her strawberries, which she's allergic to. Yes. Pepper is talking on the phone to someone in legal that is not Scarlett Johansson about how uh, oh, yeah. her right. position about the Iron Man suit is that it's property of Stark Industries, which... I don't believe it's true, unless because he was he was, his home is property of Stark Industries. Because he was kind of on leave when he invented it. Yeah, but you never know what kind. Well, if he's the owner of company, he probably didn't sign any sort of like weird thing that says anything I invent is your property. Exactly. But she was like essentially saying, "We have good patent lawyers, and you're going to defend that this is our property." Yes. Um. Yeah, uh, she brought he brought him her strawberries, which I want to talk about because that's the only thing Pepper is allergic to. Which the point of this scene was to be like <laughs> he pays no attention to like the details of Pepper. But he does say, "See, I'm trying. I knew there was a connection between you two, between strawberries and Pepper." Yes, he just got the connection a little wrong. Um. Absolutely wrong. <laughs> and as one of my food allergies, that's annoying. Well, and also, I guess maybe like as he's driving by the strawberry stand, he's like, oh, I should get pepper strawberries because I think they're her favorites, but actually she's allergic. But like, it did seem that he was just like happened upon a strawberry stand. It was like, mm-hmm. let me buy these strawberries. And then takes off. Also, oh, now I wish I had the clip to pull it up. Um, because I feel like he uh, he just takes the strawberries from that man. No, he buys, he doesn't have any cash, so he gives the man his watch. Yeah, but doesn't he take them? Or does the guy set it down in the car? Because remember, as oh, I pointed yeah. out, once in this movie oh, and yeah. the other movie... He does not like to be handed things. He he has the man set the strawberries on his front seat. Okay. So there is continuity. Yes. Um, yeah. So then um, he goes to the office and it seems he's trying to apologize to Pepper Potts. But truly, we all know his agenda is not to apologize to Pepper Potts because he's kind of an asshole. Uh, he's really just there to get the expo uh, model from the 74 Stark Expo. Oh. So that he can make this element that yeah. is bad. I I thought he was there to tell her he was dying and he, she was being the um, 
Oh, and to tell her that he really liked her. But she was busy because she's being the CEO now yes. and doesn't like have her own pepper pots. She has a Natalie Rushmore who <laughs> tells her when it's time to leave for the airport who and a happy who drives her to the airport. Yes. And then he makes a joke that like, I don't know if it's sexist, but it it, it doesn't play as well as it probably did 10 years ago um, where he's like, uh, she Pepper asks Natalie to do something and then asks Happy to do something and he's like, oh, I lost both the kids in the divorce. <laughs> like, uh. Yeah, yeah, because he says, I thought you two didn't like each other because he assumes that all women don't like each other because they're yes. all in love with him. Yes. And um, I... Almost like this joke, only be like the divorce joke, because literally, Happy doesn't work for him anymore. Yeah, and but the last time he saw Natalie, she he fucking said, "You're fired." But so yeah, actually, no. as we learned from Iron Man three, what? Uh, okay, fine, whatever. Happy until Iron Man three. Does not work for Stark Industries. He works for Tony. Oh, does he? Oh, God. <laughs> they were friends. Or, like, whatever. And he was essentially his bodyguard for, like, decades. And then in Iron Man 3, he gets promoted to head of security at Stark. Um, well, I think he's Pepper's limo driver. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. Well, and then... Very shortly after this, um, I don't remember where Pepper is, but it's when like everything's going down at the end in the climax, and Natalie's like, I need the car, drive me to Hammer Industries, and she's like, you're not driving, and like then drives her. Oh, I thought this was like, I don't take orders from you, and then she was like, then I'll drive. Yeah. And then he's like, I'll drive. Yeah. Oh, my God. He was so annoying during that. <laughs> but, yeah. So, Pepper is oh. irritated and she has a plane to catch. So, she leaves. And uh, Tony takes the model in his, like, two-door convertible. This giant, like, <laughs> five-foot by five-foot model. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, and he makes the element. And then we go to Hammer HQ and he's arguing about the drones with Ivan, and because Ivan's saying the drones can't actually like perform, they can't make a demonstration, they can make a presentation, which is make salute, <laughs> which is you know actually a really good thing to do at a freaking yeah. like expo is probably not blow up things, things and shoot things, and on top of that, like I know hammers like overzealous and like an idiot and whatever but like in 2010 hell even today and in the canon of this movie since we've seen all the other like the satellite footage of all the people failing at making these iron man suits to be able to make larger than human sized mech drones that can salute on command that's pretty impressive yeah (laughs) yeah so anyway so they get yeah. <laughs> they get to the um and he's giving a presentation at the Stark. Yeah. Expo. He's like, I don't need your presentation anymore because I have uh no, now I want to say Warhammer, War Machine. 
Uh, Sorry. And so I don't need your your dumb things. They're just going to be set dressing instead of the little cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And then they take the bird and put it in a bag. Oh my God. <laughs> and they take his pillows and his shoes. He yeah. does not seem bothered. Nope. Um, he has a plan. He does have a plan. And I want to skip ahead because the climax of this movie isn't all that spectacular. So I don't really care. Oh, can we go and be like... Ivan calls Tony on the phone and says, yeah. Yes. That's, that's the part I want to... Did you notice? When he's on the phone, he has hanged <laughs> the two security guards that were watching him from wires from the ceiling behind oh, him. I had not noticed that. I was paying attention to uh, to Tony, who's like trying to track down the, the call. And so there was lots of <laughs> geography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was, he was like... In in the like upper right hand corner, you oh. just see legs dangling. Oh, and they're like hung. And then later, when uh, Natalie is fighting these guys, and then like Happy's fighting the one guy, and like thinks he's like actually helping, and then he looks up after he beats the guy just barely, and he sees that Natalie has taken care of like sixty guys. There's also a guy hanging. Yeah, <laughs> like, there that, is. That kills people. Yes, that does. Yeah, that was kind of. Yeah, that was not, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, he tries to hunt him down. It's unsuccessful, but he does pinpoint him to somewhere in New York. In, yep, Manhattan and the outlying boroughs, yep. such as Queens. And um, Flushing. Flushing <laughs> is in Queens. Yeah. So, then uh, we're at Stark Expo, and Hammer's doing his little dance, which he... Not that exact same dance, but a very similar dance does in Charlie's Angels. And um, it's the only dance that probably the actor can do. Okay. Uh, he shows off his new drones, mm-hmm. uh, which he calls a hammer drone. And uh, uh, Colonel Bestie comes out in the silver Iron Man suit that he stole, which is now painted silver, blue, and red with the American flag and a bunch of guns on it. Uh huh. Tony flies in to warn Bestie that they're all the people there aren't in danger and that Hammer is working with Ivan Vanko. And then there's a fight at the expo okay. because Ivan starts commanding all, all of the all of the drones plus Bestie's suit. So now Iron Man is being shot at by his best friend who's wearing his suit. Yep. Again. <laughs> but this time not. Like at his choice, and not like at a drunken party. And Jarvis, uh, he orders Jarvis to hack into Bestie's suit, but it doesn't work. So Pepper and Natalie go to interrogate Mr. Hammer, who is at the expo. And this irritates the heck out of me because what does he say? <laughs> we gotta get these bitches out of here. Oh my god, <sighs> yeah. And then Natalie twists his arm to find out that Ivan Vingo is behind it all. And then Pepper starts calling the police. And then Hammer calls her honey. And he's like, there's no need to do that, honey. And that is just, oh, it makes my skin crawl. Yeah, he's real gross. But then Natalie, like, hacks all the drones from that just random computer at the expo. And I'm like, oh, uh, so Jarvis 
The world's no. most advanced AI can't reset these drones. No, she hacks them not from the computer at the thing. That's why she heads out and go. That's oh, why she, she has, goes to Hammer. She goes to Hammer HQ. Okay. Yeah. And then she she demands, this is where she demands that, um, that uh, what's his face driver? That right. happy driver. And then he's like, no. And then she's like, drive me or I'm driving myself. And then he's like, okay, nobody should drive my limousine. Yeah. Because I'm a limo driver by profession, also, and then she changes in the back seat, and like there are explosions all around, and people running all around, and then he's like looking at her, like in her bra in the back seat, and it's really irritating. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this, but just like based on his character and happy, I'm not buying that he rides around in a four door limousine. I don't even think he would drive a stretch limo. I like Tony Stark and Happy seem like Hummer limo people to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like one of the Hummer limos with like a pool in the back. <laughs> um, he's driving like a classy like shotgun suicide door like yeah uh, Rolls Royce. Yeah, that's that's not his style. He's not classy enough for that. Anyway, so yeah, she like fights all these guys in the hallway. This is the first of many Marvel iconic hallway fight scenes. Yeah. Uh, most of them are in the Netflix series, but uh, it was the only scene from this movie that I remembered. Yeah. Because they used it in the commercials a lot. Oh. And uh, also sets off the chain of Scarlett Johansson never having the same haircut in a single Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. In this movie, it is very long and very curly. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll have to make a little oh, corner segment about her haircuts as we like move forward. Spy. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, she gets out of the car and she has to like fight all these dudes in the hallway and Happy's like, I'm not letting you go in there alone. And then he like punches one guy and she's like, she's beaten up like 15 guys through this hallway and then, like, she's done with them. She's hung one of them. So yeah. she's, like, clearly killed. Electrocuted a couple. Yeah. Maced one. Yeah. To be fair, he did try to mace her first. But yep, to be fair, she was breaking on the private property. So. Used his mace. And then, like, for some reason, they both entered, like, what would be Vinko's room at the same time. Like, all of a sudden, Happy's all cut up with her. Yes. She would have been there first. Oh, yeah. Like, that's nonsense. And then, but he's not there, and so she takes over, and she hacks in and resets Bestie's suit all by right. herself, and then keeps track of the drones, and then is talking to Iron Man, is like, drones incoming, and yes. then meanwhile... They crash into some, like, Asian Botanical Garden dome. Oh, it's dome. Like, it's a, I called it a, a biosphere, yes. or a biodome, the Oracle Biodome, that's Asian Botanical Garden themed. Yes. And... Yeah, and then uh, Colonel Bestie and Tony Stark literally have a, like, dick measuring contest yes. about, like, the size of their guns. Uh-huh. And, and then, then they waste all that time fighting about it so they can't actually get into position, which is what they were trying to figure out how to do to begin with. To be like, where's the best place to, like, have this fight with all these drones? And then the drones yep. come, and then, like, then they got to fight the drones, and then there's, like... There's a bigger drone coming, but it really is just I, and Ivan. Ivan but in his so, Iron Man suit. When okay. they kill all the drones, though, he uses 
the aforementioned laser beams yes. in his wrists. And uh, Colonel Bestie makes this joke like, why didn't you use that to begin with? And he's like, it's a one-off. I can only use it once. Okay, but when the drones all landed, they were in the most perfect circle that they were ever during this fight. Yeah. So had he used that one-off at the very beginning, it would have killed every drone. Yeah. It's real stupid. Because the other thing that happens is that um that Colonel Bestie uses that like ex-wife whatever oh, right. buster and all it does is drop to the ground. Yes, like a wet firework. Um also I'm counting uh so they fight Anton uh is super underwhelming. Honestly, I would say it was less whelming than the uh um Hulk versus Abomination fight scene. But frankly, it was really uh-huh. short. Uh-huh. Didn't really do anything. Yeah, and then he sets all the bomb, uh, all the drones to go off like bombs. Yeah, but um, they like Dragon Ball Z him again, which is how they oh, win. Yeah. They shoot their laser beams at each other's hands, and I'm counting that as a sky beam explosion. It's not a full sky beam, but I'm counting it. Fine, fine. Here's your sound effect. For your Dragon Ball Z thing. <laughs> I, lo- I feel like it's just like two seconds too long, and I love that. <laughs> and it goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, they all blow up, and like, they're explicitly fireworks. Like, those are not... Oh, yeah. Those are not those. gas explosions. Those are not diesel explosions. Those are not like yep, yep. C4. Those are fireworks. Yep. And um, and in the meantime, Iron Man knows that they're all going to go off like bombs. So he's like, yes. I got to go save Pepper, who has like insisted on staying while everybody exits the park so that I, she can like make supervise and make sure that yes. everything's safe. Which also, so she says this to a police officer. Uh-huh. He's like escorting people out of this park that's clearly in danger and exploding left and right, like an active war zone. And... The police officer says, he is leaving. Do you want a ride? And she's like, no, I'm going to stay. Yeah. I feel like they wouldn't just let her stay. Yeah. But, um, you know, Tony has pull with the uh, Minokin or Mana. How do you? I don't know. Whatever. There's a G in it. Um, and, and Monaco to see prisoners. So I suppose Pepper has control of the police on Stark property. And um, we also didn't talk about how while they're flying through the sky away from the drones before they crash into the gardens, he saves the little boy in an Iron Man mask. Oh, yeah. That is apparently Peter Parker. Yeah. Read that in the like the like fan thing. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay. But it checks out because this was like eight years ago, like seven years before uh, Spider-Man Homecoming comes out. And that kid, that kid was about 10. Yeah. And he'd be like 16, 17. Yeah, but it's also like, I don't know, eight years after The Amazing Spider-Man came out. That's so what's not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Whatever. <laughs> Tobey Maguire is not in this. <laughs> <laughs> don't care. Uh, yeah, so he grabs Pepper much in the same way from the explosion that he grabbed potentially Peter Parker. And they fly off to the rooftop. And she's yelling at him again. She's frantic again. Yeah. Uh, 
and then he is interrupting her again. That's like the way they oh, communicate yeah. with each yeah, other. Every scene when they talk. That. that he didn't tell her he was dying because she found out when like um Romanoff told him over the like the intercom, yes. like, it looks like your vitals are pretty good. And you're and he's like, Oh, not dying anymore. And she's like, You were dying? <laughs> <laughs> I think Gwyneth Paltrow and um and he, and she's been like you nearly die all the freaking time because you're not careful with anything and oh you got real yes. drunk and had a had a laser fight with your best friend. Um, I think Gwyneth Paltrow and um, Liv Tyler went to the same acting school where it's just like either like stone cold quiet delivery or frantic. Yelling. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so then uh, Tony's interrupting her as he always does, and then she quits, right? Yeah, she quits because it's the, the job is too stressful because it's a lot of like watching Tony nearly die. Yeah, in Iron Man three, she's definitely still CEO. Um, uh, okay, well, <laughs> you know, uh, people are getting fired left and right without <laughs> not really getting true. fired so whatever. i want to know like can we get a spin-off abc television series about hr at star industries and oh just like God. the sexual harassment claims and the firing and hiring and like, repositioning what, of staff what, what did tony do to you <laughs> okay do you want to be transferred and also we'll offer you this bonus or would you like a bigger bonus and uh, yeah. we'll, uh, and to quit Okay, thank you. Yeah, we can't fire him. He owns the company. <laughs> yeah, it's actually like they and don't do it so much anymore. But in the early seasons of Archer, do you watch that? Yes. It's like the great bit with Pam and HR because Archer's always actually harassing people and like yeah. doing dumb shit like Tony. Yeah, and like, I'm like, yeah, we don't make you sign a non-disclosure <laughs> agreement because everybody knows already. <laughs> oh man. I don't think that this stuff would go over so well post, like, Harvey Weinstein and, yeah. like, all of that. Yeah. But, yeah, so... So, she quits. And then they start making out. Yep. And then... Which, then, it's not it's not workplace harassment if she really yeah. quit, but it's still weird. It's still weird, and I don't like their relationship, and then... No, I don't. Colonel Best Friend is just sitting on the rooftop behind them. Yeah, it's like get a roof, which is probably the best joke in the whole movie. Um, and then uh, it like he's in a yeah man. Why is Tony in a warehouse? He's like in a warehouse. Shield doesn't have offices. It's a government agency. Oh yeah, yeah. And then in, they have the like the the creepy Shield folder because like I can't. I can't stand branded folders. Oh, I know. Okay, why can't you stand branded folders? I think they're dumb. Okay, I can't stand them because, like, they just remind me of Nazi folders. Oh. Because that's, like, the one folder you see. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Well, um, that's the other thing, though, is, like, I I talked about this in, in the Hulk. I don't understand. And... and uh, Iron Man 1. I don't understand S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a government agency. Is it? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. It's like, oh yeah. they explicitly say that. And yet, it's also like a secret agency. And yet, they operate on American soil. 
So it's like if you cross the CIA with the FBI, but then also task them with supervising superheroes and like anomalies. So it's the FBI, the X-Files, and the CIA all in one organization. But all of those organizations also exist in this universe's U.S. government. Yes, they do. And in so far, all of the things we've seen of S.H.I.E.L.D., again, makes no goddamn sense. Because in Iron Man 1, they make the joke where Cutie Coulson is like, oh, we gotta we we gotta name just call it Shield instead of the like because it's that an acronym re- yeah instead of the really long name. So Howard Stark, who we've established died in 1991, yes, was a founding member of Shield. This takes place in 2010. So you're telling me in 20 years <laughs> they couldn't come up with a name. That's better than that. And that in 20 years. They don't have facilities that aren't a warehouse, but then in like maybe th- they just like to meet in warehouses. In like, like three uh, movies oh, from now, though, they have like er- Justin Hammer likes to eat his dessert in, in his an hanger. airplane hammer. But that was a fancy hanger; it had like linoleum floors. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then like in the Avengers, they're on a flying like aircraft carrier i'm like where's all this money coming from do the taxpayers know about this they saved it on offices by just renting out a warehouse instead of real offices (laughs) i don't know okay so anyways he's talking to nick furry (laughs) in a warehouse and he reads romanoff's assessment of him that says he's a self-destructive narcissist and um they recommend that Iron Man join the Avengers Initiative, but they do not recommend that Tony Stark. And yet again... So it's like as a consultant, and I was like, okay, we learned nothing from her report. We already knew he was a narcissist yeah. and prone to self-destructive behavior. But yet again, Tony goes on his tangent about how he's Iron Man and they're one, and how that doesn't make any sense. And then he's like, you can't afford me. And then um, we cut to... uh, Oh, then he asks Fury for a favor because they need someone to present them at an award ceremony. Yeah, so this is is for his consultant fees. Yes. Um, So he won't charge his regular consultant fees if he does this favor for him, which is? To get uh, Senator, Colonel, Congressman, whatever. Fishface. Fishface to be the presenter of their medals because it would be like a fuck you. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't like him. And that's the closing scene of the movie. Yep. And he does that. And then he pins his medal on Tony Stark and says, like, thank you for your amazing bravery, but pokes him. Yes. And then says, amazing how annoying a little prick can be, which I thought was, like, possibly the best line of the movie <laughs> because, like, that's what he is. True. Only he's not, like, a little prick. He's kind of a big prick. I mean, like... But so is that congressman. Yes, that's true. Yeah. And then, so we get to the post-credit scene. You think you're the only superhero in the world? You're here with a mission, sir? Well, I guess that's worth a look. You know, and thank you, by the way, for listening. Roast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a post-credit scene where Coulson, who dropped a hint earlier, where he's like... I gotta go to New Mexico for work. Yeah. 
you think you're the only superhero, as we just heard Nick Fury say. Um, they've been building it up slowly because the only movies we've seen so far are Iron Man and then the Hulk that no one cares about. Um, go to New Mexico. There's a hammer in the middle of the desert in like an alien crop circle. Justin Hammer? Army Hammer? <laughs> Armin Hammer? <laughs> One of them. Uh-huh. Uh, Mjolnir is the hammer. Okay. Which we will learn in Thor. Oh, it's Thor next. Yeah. I keep thinking it's Captain America. I just, I'm, for whatever reason, really amped to get Captain America. I think because it's a period piece, and I feel like you like that. I do like World War II movies, but I'm pretty sure this is actually a World War II. It is. It exclusively takes place in World War II. Period is not what I like about World War II movies. <laughs> what do you like about World War II movies? Nazis? Yes. There are lots of those. Um, that's good, but I'm I'm somehow thinking that this is not going to be um realistic. I mean, I think I think I like World War II movies because Nazis are like real people that were real scary. I think Red Skull's pretty scary. Um, I don't know who that is, but pretty sure it's not real. We'll find out. Um, so what was your favorite part? Um, I liked the little prick comment, and I also liked uh, I liked Black Widow. Um, that she was a plant, and it like it's so like easily like just like Tony just like fell for it. Was like that one. Every time you say she was a plant, I think of uh, Groot Farscape. <laughs> oh, Farscape. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Um, there's a character on the show called Farscape that is a plant. Um, yes. You wouldn't know it by looking at her. She does not look like Groot. Anyway. Uh, mm. okay. Okay, what was your favorite part? Um, this movie's boring. I liked Monica. Okay. Um, I liked Elon Musk because I didn't know who Elon Musk was in 2010. Really? Um. Okay. I mean, I knew of him, but, like, I didn't know him by name. Okay. And now I definitely do because I love Teslas. So, rewatching it, I'm like, oh, I see you. Um, And I I loved it because, his cameo, because, like, if you follow Elon Musk on Twitter, he's, like, definitely has, like, a Tony Stark power fantasy. Okay, (laughs) yeah. He's definitely that guy. (laughs) So, it's just funny that he was in that movie. Okay. Um, what's your least favorite part? Um, the bitches comment. <laughs> yeah, that and like all the points were like Tony is just a dick. Yeah, yeah. What See, about you? Usually, I find it endearing. Like, not in that's not the right word, but like, <laughs> there's something I like about Tony Stark. Like for whatever reason, he's my favorite, and like, so like I accept his character flaws. What? I don't know. Also, the, the facial hair. I really like his facial hair. That's weird because you don't actually like facial hair on men. I'm That's not like, like physically attracted to it. I just think it's aesthetically pleasing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought in this movie, his being a dick was just very dickish. It's not. There's nothing relatable about it. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're being an asshole. Um, it reminded me very much of um, Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so um, my least favorite part, I think, was 
just the a lot of it just the boringness of it like there's nothing spectacular that happens you know there's not like one moment that i'm like that was actually really cool and like innovative like they recycle the same final fight scene from the first movie mm-hmm. a lot of cliches mm-hmm. like none of the costumes are especially interesting they don't do anything like well no i suppose like that when he shot the lasers and the little rockets out of his suit that was kind of cool but I think he shoots rockets out of his suit in the first one, too. So there's not even anything super innovative about the Iron Man suit other than he changes to a triangle. <laughs> so, yeah. It was yeah. Just like, it was just kind of meh. Okay. What did we learn? Well, don't give the bad guy hints. Oh, yeah. About how to make your arc reactor more powerful or at all. Yeah. So in the final fight scene, even though it only lasts about 30 seconds... Uh, Ivan is way more powerful and actually like holding his own against Tony and the other dude uh, exclusively because Tony was gloating when he was in prison and told him the sciencey things to make his suit better. Yeah. That was real dumb. Yep. Um, I learned um, that if I'm the CEO of a company I can have an overqualified person from our legal department just moved, hopefully laterally, if not demoted, to my personal assistant so that I can stare at her boobs. That seems like a poor lesson to learn, but yeah, yeah. yeah I guess you did learn that. <laughs> okay. And with that, do you have to talk about this? Yeah. So uh, I already told you, I guess, and so did the post credit scene, what our next movie is. Uh, it is Thor, not the Dark World, not Ragnarok, and not the first Avenger, just Thor. Okay. Uh, have you seen this movie? I have not. Oh. Okay. Wait, we were surprised by that? Well, it's just, so, you know that Chris Helmsworth is Thor? Yes, Chris Helmsworth is Thor. But he looks very different in this movie. He's about, like, 70 pounds less muscular, and his hair's super long, but not in a cute way. And, uh... His facial hair situation's a little different. Okay. That's what? Uh, oh. really the uh, main takeaway from that movie. Want to make some predictions? Yes, I do. Okay. This is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Thor's going to have a one-night stand with a woman. Oh. Mm-hmm. Possibly Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. Or else a different Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> In the morning, she's gonna, he's going to say to her, I got to tell you this thing. I'm Thor. And she's going to look at him and she's going to say, you're sore. I'm sore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. Okay. Do not tell that joke to Chris Hemsworth if you ever see him because I saw him tell that joke on a, a talk show of this is the joke people tell me because I'm Thor. Oh, stealing jokes. I did steal that joke. Um, But to be fair, I stole it so from Thor. I want to give you a, a broad uh, plot overview and ask you why these things are happening, do you think? Okay. So you know that Thor is on Earth. Yes. Because Mjolnir is on Earth. Yep. Um, he dropped his hammer. How did, why? Why? Um, probably, I'm going to go with this. Um, he was hanging out in, 
I want to call it Stovacor, but it's not Stovacor. Name of that place that he lives. Which uh, is? I want Now I want to call it Ask Man. Uh, close. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, or, well, we can go with that. Thor lives in Azkaban. <laughs> Thor was in the Azkaban in the sky. And then he got distracted because he was looking at a very attractive man named Army Hammer and he dropped his hammer. Oh, okay. And do you have any guess about who the big bad is in this movie? um, I'm going to go with Loki because I've heard that name before. Okay. Well, we'll see you next time and we'll delve into Thor. (laughs) 